My name is J.D. Henning, and you're listening to Cheat the Camera, a podcast about short films and those who make them. Today is a special day. I am beginning Cheat the Academy, a sometimes series of solo episodes where I'm going to go into a little bit of detail about the craft of various aspects of filmmaking. And the reason I'm doing this is because in my personal life, I'm bound for a big change, which is that my wife and I are inviting a new baby into our lives. In fact, our first. And while I have never had a child before, I hear it on good authority that newborns demand a lot of attention. And I want to make this podcast for a continuous amount of time without very many delays. So I'm going to be recording some of these one-off episodes uh, in the time leading up and in the time during because it's going to be hard for me to schedule things for a while, possibly quite a while. So uh, get used to the beautiful melodious sound of my voice as I talk about all sorts of random uh, aspects of filmmaking. I'm calling this Cheat the Academy as a clever, clever nod to the fact that you can't call something a college without it actually being a college, but you can call something an academy without it being anything in particular. So nobody's going to get mad at me. Okay, so let's talk about the thing I'm going to be getting into today, which is screenwriting. Um, And I want to just start off by talking about why you should care about screenwriting at all. And probably for most folks, it makes sense intuitively that the story is perhaps the most important part. Uh, But I am in good company when I say that. Uh, The current Disney CEO as of 2020 is a fellow named Bob Chappick. And he is quoted as saying, the key is to take what's a good story and to make make it a better story. And, you know, this is the guy in charge of perhaps the most successful a film studio currently in existence. I mean, Disney has an identity and a brand, and it basically owns 100% of like the intellectual property that made up like my childhood. And uh, they are on the road to owning everything. I mean, they've got Star Wars, they've got Marvel, and they've got everything else that's Disney. They also have ESPN, if you didn't know that. Now, ESPN is not a very good example of why story matters a lot, but the width and breadth of what Disney does should tell you something about whether or not you need to take this guy seriously. I am just some random voice whispering into your ear, but he is the CEO of one of the most successful film studios that has ever existed. And when he says that the key is to get a good story and to make the story better, I think we should all listen. Moreover, I think, you know, there have been a lot of films that have had excellent stories, even if some of the technical aspects weren't as excellent and were able to succeed regardless. My One of my personal favorite films is 28 Days Later, which was filmed back in the era of mini-DV tapes, which for those of you youngins who don't know anything about mini-DV, I mean, just well, count your blessings, because Mini-DV was a hassle. It was an intermediate uh, between the era of like VHS tapes and fully digital uh, filmmaking that we have now before the advent of DSLRs and other sorts of low-end filmmaking equipment that could produce a high-end image. You had Mini-DV, which was highly compressed, low pixel count, and had all of the frustrations of sort of an analog method like VHS and that you had tapes and you had to record things. But 
all of the frustrations of digital, which is that you had, you know, digital destruction and you could lose your data and files and it didn't have any of that creamy, cool filmmaking film sort of feel. It, it just was kind of gross. And yet, 28 Days Later was the movie that kind of kicked uh, zombie movies off all over again in our modern era. If you are a fan of The Walking Dead, if you are a fan of Zombieland, if you're a fan of any zombie horror film in essentially the past 20 years, you, you can thank 28 Days Later for restarting that genre. It's one of my favorites, and actually one of the reasons it's one of my favorites is because it was filmed in mini-DV, this kind of frustrating, relatively low-end format that they still used to make an extremely interesting and extremely gripping story. And of course, there are tons of other uh, independent and other films that didn't have the highest quality in all sorts of aspects, and yet were still pretty amazing. I'm thinking of Primer, which is uh, an absolutely mind-boggling independent film they had barely enough uh, cash to actually pay for the film that they were that they were using to record. So they they would uh, rehearse the scenes many many times, not for the actor or for making the best the best uh, you know dramatic effect, but they they would do it so that they didn't have to use more than one take, which is kind of like the worst way and the worst reason to practice a scene and then to shoot it. If you only get one take, there's a fair chance uh, it's not going to be the best one. Um, and they did it anyways. And the story in Primer is, in you know, famously labyrinthine and Byzantine and hard to understand, and yet it's incredibly interesting. And the fact that many of the people who were acting in it weren't actually actors, they were just this guy and his friends, kind of doesn't matter because the story itself is so fascinating and interesting and it draws you in so well that that you go for it. And of course, there are a bunch of other examples. Moonlight uh, being a low-budget film that was also extremely successful because of its story and Get Out, again, being sort of this breakout hit that, you know, from a technical perspective, certainly wasn't bad, but it, you know, not anything that you're going to necessarily write home about. The thing that people loved about Get Out, the thing that, you know, made it so successful was it had a really great, really unique story uh, that, you know, was well acted and so on and so forth. But the thing that made it was the story. And we could go on and on, talk about all sorts of other examples of films that maybe from a technical perspective or even from, you know, a dramatic performance perspective or an editing perspective had issues or quibbles or qualms. And yet the fact that they had such an enthralling story is what got us interested in them and is what made them successful. It's why that you can see these sorts of films still today. So let's talk a little bit about what I mean when I talk about screenwriting. I'm talking about the story. Uh, when I talk about screenwriting, I, it's not necessarily the writing on the page or the properly formatted uh, you know, way of doing dialogue or interiors and exteriors, though all of those things matter. I'm talking about the fundamental aspects of the story. You know, what happens from point A to B to C, what the problem that the main character has and what the solution is. And these aspects are all... The, the same, regardless of we're talking about a big budget feature film, you know, 
12 hours of movie like Lord of the Rings, the extended edition, or if we're talking about something that you're filming in your backyard with your friend. These are essentially uh, the same when it comes to the fact that the story matters. And of course, there are uh, examples and counterexamples, but generally speaking, if you're trying to make a short film or a feature film, having a really well-told story with a good meta arc and a really good uh, micro arc scene to scene and the moments of dialogue, if those things are good, you're good. There might be technical problems, you might have to reshoot some stuff, but the story is what matters most. So I think it's good to start Cheat the Academy by talking about the story. And uh, that's actually the thing that I have the most experience in. Uh, as I said at, uh, in the very first introductory episode of this little podcast, I am a journeyman filmmaker. And I'm borrowing that term from sort of the world of like plumbers and electricians like my uncle. Uh, but what I mean when I say a journeyman filmmaker is that, you know, I'm not an expert. I'm, I'm not Quentin Tarantino, obviously. I am not, you know, Steven Spielberg. You know, you know that I'm not one of those people, at least not at this point in time. What I am is somebody who's been doing this for a little while. And uh, I have the most experience in screenwriting. One of the great benefits of the writing aspect of screenwriting is that it's free. You don't have to spend any money to sit down and come up with ideas. You don't need anything special to do it. Just a pad of paper and a pencil is enough to get going. And uh, that was why I began doing screenwriting uh, when I was in school and I was far more focused on the school aspects and kind of had to be, but I could find moments here and there to write. And I didn't need to hire actors. I didn't need to have the greatest editing system. I just needed to have my imagination and some time. Do you have imagination? <laughs> I imagine that you at least think you have imagination if you're listening to this. And do you have time? Well, that's, that's you know, something that can be really hard to find in fast-paced modern America, but probably you can find it. And uh, time and attention and imagination are all that you need to get going in screenwriting. It's also the thing that I've been doing longest. So let's get into it, sort of uh, the meat and potatoes of this. I'm calling this, you know, a 101 because this is just a very high-level introduction, sort of more than anything else, an introduction to why this even matters. And here are a couple of top tips. Um, so when it comes to telling good stories, the most important thing is having good stories upon which to base your news stories. There are lots of different ways to do this, but some of the easiest ways to do this are probably what you're already doing, which is watching movies and maybe something new for you, reading screenplays. Particularly if you're interested in doing something um, on a more sort of professional scale, then reading screenplays is going to be extremely helpful because screenplays are a very specific and sort of unique format. Uh, they look really strange. If you haven't seen a screenplay before, go ahead and look something up. You know, find the screenplay for uh, Alien or the latest Disney film that you liked or really anything that you appreciate with the aid of Google and the magic of the interwebs, you will probably be able to find pretty much any story that you're interested in. And read it. Just spend some time, take an afternoon, and read through it. 
And the more that you do that, the more that you read screenplays, the more that you'll get sort of an intuitive sense of how they're written, what the weird nomenclature of intext or cut to or off of or all of these other sort of little weird industry terms, what they actually mean. And that that's helpful. It doesn't matter so much if you are doing something in your backyard with your friends and it's just like, well, Bobby from down the street and Susie, who's my older sister, uh, are going to be my actors, then it's probably not as important. But when you want to become you know, more professional or be taken more seriously, the screenplay format is kind of the way into that. Because if it's just you and a couple of friends... The formatting doesn't necessarily matter that much, but if you're getting a line producer and an AD to look at your project, or you want to someday have people like that looking at projects that you will do, getting them something that it's in a standardized format that they can understand and that they can time out easily is going to be very important uh, because they'll know what you're getting at more intuitively. If you were, even if you are the most talented person in the world, let's say you're like, you will be the next Banksy of filmmaking. And you know that. And for some reason, this is in this hypothetical, that just is true. If you write something that is not at all in a screenplay format and you manage to hand it to somebody who's really influential, like this uh, Bob Chapek, CEO of Disney, he's not going to give it a second glance unless it's in a screenplay format. So that's why the format matters. It is not inherently magical. Like putting something in a screenplay format isn't going to make it better than if it's not in a screenplay format, but it will make it more easily communicated in a serious sort of filmmaking context. And that's important because filmmaking is inherently collaborative. As opposed to many other forms of art or storytelling, which are more solitary or at least can be done in a solitary fashion, you have to have other people helping you to make a film. Uh, even if you are writing the story, because the story is not going to be directed, shot, acted, filmed, edited, and posted by just you. At least most of your projects probably aren't going to be like that, though. I think we've all done something like that at one point or another. Having other people and being able to communicate with other people is extremely important. In many respects, filmmaking is an act of communication as much as it is anything else. So you want to get that communication going, even from the very basics of the formatting. Another thing, this is just sort of a random top tip, but I think it is very important to know, especially if you're kind of getting into this, is that you will need to draft and you will need to redraft. All writing is rewriting. Uh, I think it was, was it Robert Frost who said that? I don't know. I'm going to pretend it was Robert Frost, but all writing is rewriting. So you write a story down in screenplay format or not, and you think it's great, that's cool. I mean, that's excellent. That's really important, in fact. But that's not the end of the process. You've got to do it again. You've got to reread it and rewrite it yourself and think about the story and, you know, be your own best friend by rewriting it and rereading it and making it good on your own without necessarily involving anyone else. And then definitely, it's extremely important to uh, involve other people. Uh, one of the things about writing, about screenwriting or writing down your story beforehand is that it will help you avoid problems when you're shooting it and problems when you're editing it. And that's extremely, extremely important. Uh, Freddie Wong, who is a sort of 
I guess at this point, he's no longer quite, quite such a YouTube star, but he was at one point in time sort of a big YouTube guy and uh, also a filmmaker. He uh, talked about how, you know, it takes a dollar to fix something in the script. It takes $1,000 to fix something on the day when you're shooting. And it takes $100,000 to fix something in post. And that really is true. So if you are, you know... Even just doing something in your backyard with, uh, what was those those people's names? Susie and Johnny, the most generic and also white names that apparently I came up with. Let's say you've got Susie and Johnny, and you're not doing this at like a big high professional level. You're doing this for fun. You're doing this for your TikTok. You're doing this for a class in school. Well... If you have a problem with the story and you uh, fix that, like, you know, Johnny is standing over uh, Susie's favorite teddy bear and he has just destroyed it. And then you realize, oh, no, but I want everybody to like Johnny. And so you switch that. Well, that's, you know, costs essentially nothing when you're doing it in the script form. You can change anything, you can redo anything. And if you're talking about a bigger scope of project, uh, something that doesn't involve just you and your friends where you're hiring people uh, or getting people who you know aren't just your buddies to do it, then it's gonna matter a lot because if you change the main character from, you know, uh, well, from the whitest person you know, somebody like Johnny, to somebody who's, you know, BIPOC or somebody who's a very different age. Well, you can't change that on the day of without a lot of uh, pain and acrimony and blood, sweat, and tears. It's easy to do it beforehand. And of course, there are ways to fix things in post, but a lot of things kind of can't be. Or if they are fixable, it's extremely expensive. So you want to do it beforehand. You want to fix those problems beforehand. And honestly, it's kind of fun. I... I guess this is another tip. This wasn't something that was in my outline, but it really is true. Uh, you need to embrace the craft. Uh, this is true with filmmaking. And I imagine in the arts in, in general, there's sort of a stereotype of the you know tortured artist who has sort of a stroke of genius and you know lightning strikes and they have their great idea and then they manage to get it onto the canvas or onto the page or what have you. And uh, that's kind of it. And there are moments of, you know, epiphanies uh, where you just really have an excellent or amazing idea for a line and dialogue or what have you. The thing is, though, that's not typical and you can't only do your storytelling or writing in those moments. Because that doesn't happen very often. And you have to be able to embrace the craft. Just think of yourself as somebody making cabinets. And you just want to make the best cabinet you can today, but you know you'll be making another cabinet tomorrow. So you're not going to get you know, really, really precious about this particular cabinet because, well, there's another cabinet tomorrow and you want to make them well, you want them to be beautiful, you want them to be structurally sound, you want them to be good, but uh, the things that you're doing in the moment are just focusing on, you know, carving it as well as you can, picking the best uh, plank of wood. Okay, I'm obviously not a woodworker, so I don't, this is probably a bad analogy because I don't really know what I'm talking about. But there you go. You can uh, keep on working it. And that is the point. 
and all writing is rewriting and art is about being able to get better every time and not thinking about just this one time, just this one story, but thinking about how what I'm doing on this one story is going to help me to tell a better story tomorrow or the next time. Okay, a couple of quick traps to avoid. This, uh, particularly in screenwriting, you don't have to be any particular place. You don't have to be any particular person. You don't have to have any particular technology. This is less of an issue with uh, screenwriting, but there certainly is like, oh, well, I need a computer in order to write stories. Well, that's really not true. You just need time and a, a way to write it down, like on your phone or on a post-it note or, well, a series of post-it notes. Theoretically, you could write a whole story on post-it notes and uh, it could be an incredible story. Uh, there are, you know, stories about how J.K. Rowling's first idea for Harry Potter, like the very seed of it, she wrote down on a napkin. And I believe that is on some level true. It was just kind of a scrap piece of paper. But that seed, well, that little piece of paper became you know, one of the most influential series of stories uh, that exists on this planet that has happened in my lifetime. And it can start small and it doesn't have to look like much. Um, so another thing is to just kind of not do it. Uh, this is a trap to avoid. Uh, thinking about making movies is not the same as making movies. Thinking about writing stories is not the same thing as writing stories. And it can be surprisingly hard to just be faced with a blank piece of paper or the blinking cursor on your screen and to just have to like figure it out. I have this good idea, but I don't know how to get from point A to point B. Well, that is hard, but that is actually kind of the process of storytelling. It is it is work. That's why people are paid for it. Uh, not everybody, but, you know, there certainly are a lot of people who are paid a lot of money because they're good at telling stories. And it is hard sometimes. And figuring that out can just take time. On the same note, getting distracted is so easy to do when you're telling a story, when you're writing it down, uh, when you're kind of memorializing it. It's, it's very difficult. And you might be thinking, well, I like to do improvisational things. And that's great. Do improvisational things, but keep on doing those improvisational things. And if that's not what you're trying to do, if you're trying to do something a little bit, uh, you know, more traditional, a little bit more written down, then you just got to kind of write it down and keep on doing it. I know that I have to turn on the in, uh, turn off uh, my internet connection in order to get writing done sometimes. And uh, I would expect that the same is probably going to be true for you at one point or another. You're going to find yourself very, very distracted. It happens a lot, unfortunately. Okay, and uh, this is kind of the final and perhaps the most important thing because no single 25-minute episode of any particular thing is going to teach you everything you need to know about storytelling. So where do you go to learn more? Uh, there are a lot of great places. Uh, and of course, this will change over time. I am, you know, doing this podcast episode in early 2022, uh, beautiful 2022, which we all hope will be better than 2021 or 2020. Uh, but regardless, uh, you know, you need to get more information. If you are in a time period, anytime like 2022, these resources will probably still be relevant and helpful. Uh, so Reddit screenwriting is a pretty good resource. Of course, you have no idea who's on the other end, who's giving you comments, but there are people and that's important. 
uh, there is a podcast called Script Notes that in general is extremely helpful if you are pretty serious about getting into the film industry. Uh, these are two A-list screenwriters who have done stuff that you have seen and who are essentially giving their information away for free. It's sort of amazing and they have been doing it for years and years. Uh, so that's something that I would definitely consider uh, looking into. This, the you know, at this point in time, the first 20 episodes are always free. And then after that, uh, you know, you do need to pay some sort of relatively small amount of money in order to keep on uh, listening to their back catalog. And it, it's worth it. Like, if you can do one thing, this is in many ways better than film school and a lot cheaper than film school. Just listen to the podcast. If you're interested in a book, as particularly like uh, an intro level book, I would say uh, probably read a screenplay. Like that's probably the best thing. Read a bunch of them. But if you want a book that just gives you an overview, there is a um, resource called Save the Cat. It is not the, you know, the the everything, it sort of does it in a cookbook style. And if you follow all of its rules very, very closely, you will come up with a story that is much like many, many scripts that were written 20 years ago, because that's when Save the Cat, roughly speaking, was written. And so it's a little bit older. Uh, it's not perfect, but it's probably one of the better introductory books that I have, uh, that I have come across. Uh, and yeah, there are I want you to become really excited. Like, be excited about screenwriting. Be excited about telling stories. It's great. Uh, storytelling, as far as we know, is the only thing, is something that is unique to humanity. Like, so far as we know, crows and dolphins and cats don't tell stories. Uh, and so the thing that you're doing, that you're embarking upon, is unique. And the fact that you're doing it is really, really cool. Um, and not something that everybody can do and and something that even in among humans is is a fairly unique skill telling stories well is hard uh and it's something you can get better at and something that i really hope you do get better at so this has been a solo episode on screenwriting 101 thank you for listening to cheat the camera please comment and rate Cheat the Camera on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the best way to help spread the word. You can get in touch with me by contacting me at contact at cheatthecamera.com. And thank you for listening.